0: Hey guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. Today on Habits and Hustle, we have Sarah Jake Roberts. She's a businesswoman, a best-selling author, and a media personality who expertly balances career ministry, and family. She is the daughter of Bishop T.D. Jakes and Mrs. Sarita Jakes and pastures a dynamic community of artists and professionals in Los Angeles and in Denver to sold out crowds every single time. There is a reason why her videos go viral. She is very inspirational and really speaks to the core of people's problems and issues to get through. Her newest book, Woman Evolve, is, like I said, already a number one bestseller. It is about life lessons she's learned and new insights from the story of Eve. It's about breaking up with your fears and revolutionizing your life. Please listen to this podcast by uh, me with Sarah, and I hope you get as much out of it as I did with this really um, exceptional woman. For everyone, the book is called Women Evolve. And I will tell you, um, you have a lot of really, uh, really great little nuggets of Mm -hmm. golden nuggets of information. that I think that even if you're not somebody who is um, really faith based, let's say, or religious, uh, there's there's something that people can kind of really grab onto and apply to their life. I really like I really have like a ton of like little pieces that I like wrote notes about. Oh, I love and, that. No, it's true, and I, I like let's just dive right in if you're good with that. so absolutely. I guess first of all, uh, let's just talk about you for a moment because I know that you are your parents, your father's a bishop, and you kind of grew up with this. Your parents are very well known in the in the in the community. How did you start, I guess, how did you kind of create your own voice and establish your own audience? Um, what was that process? Because you're still really young. Like, how old are you? You're 30 years 32. old? Or- yeah, 32? I'm 32.
1: So, yeah, my parents are leaders in the faith community. And I think because of seeing them in leadership, I was actually pretty... Uh, Determined to not be in um, the realm of faith, I felt like you know business and just really advancing through the corporate ladder would be more my path, majorly because I had broken like all of these faith rules. I got pregnant at thirteen. I've gone through divorce. I waitress at a strip club. So like your girl was not thinking about (laughs) faith at all. You know, I was like, "Ah, me and you, we got our private thing going on somewhere. But you know, I want to kind of show up in the world as someone who doesn't have to be connected to their past mistakes. And I think that whenever you're doing something in the space of faith, that authenticity is what really makes it powerful. What's from the heart reaches the heart. And so when it became evident that I was going to be sharing my story in hopes that it would encourage other people to not be limited by their past and what they've gone through, you know, I think the authenticity of me just sharing my story in my own way created my own lane. I can't say that I actually set out with this idea of I want to be different from them, I just wanted to be me, and in the process of being me, it did cultivate an audience that they had not yet extended into. And because of that, um, you know, we've been able to merge and reach even more people.
0: No, it's amazing, and I think what you just said is exactly it. I think that because you're relatable, you're not somebody who lived the, the uh, path that you would want. You would people would expect for someone who came from your from yeah. kind of your your father, your mother, that. It kind of opened up the market, so to speak, for people who also have a past, who also have made uh, decisions that they, you know, weren't necessarily thinking that they would when they were younger. Right. Yeah. Um, cause you, like you said, so you have, now you have what, like six kids. Yes. Yeah, so
1: <laughs> my husband and I were in blended family, so they haven't all right. lived in me. Um, but, <laughs> uh, he had three, I had two and we had, we have one together, but they all live at home. They're all under our, you know, leadership, if you will. So all wow. six of them are with us.
0: Wow. So then let's, okay, so how did we, like, so where did women evolve come from? How did that kind of like transpire? Your book is called that. Your platform is all about that. What does that mean? Can you just talk about that a bit?
1: Sure. So when I started sharing my story, just about having my kid and just still wanting to believe that there was more to life than me constantly living in the shame of having a baby as a teenager because that was just the filter in which I saw my identity and I just wanted to strip away at this filter and the more that I did that people were inviting me to speak and people were being touched and they were coming out of their shells and that was all great for them but whenever you begin to excel people like to define you they want you to do what they think you should do with your voice and uh, you know people are like you should write a book you should have a conference you should do this but I just didn't feel passionate about anything until I started really studying the life of Eve. I was um, at this conference and I was speaking and they were talking about different women of faith in the Bible and um, I just noticed to myself, I'm like they don't, nobody wants to talk about Eve because Eve was raggedy, right? Like it was time (laughs) to talk about the girl who messed it up for us all and yet um, in that moment I felt like how can you be recovering from the way that you've seen yourself, the way that you think other people have seen you and not have compassionate for this woman Who kind of set the tone for how women have been viewed throughout society and culture? And in the process of like looking at her life from a different angle, of course, I went back to Genesis to just really understand what it was like to be her. And I saw that though she ate from the fruit, though there was this um, incredible fall from that standpoint, I also saw that she tried to recover. And in the process of doing that, I wondered what would happen to any woman if they dared to look beyond what happened to them, whether they did it or it happened to them. And decide. I wonder if I can evolve from this. And so Eve became like my hero, um, because I saw her recover from what society and what the times really um, could have left her confined in. And so evolve is just like my ode to Eve, but to every woman that we all have the ability to evolve.
0: No, I think that's amazing. And I'm going to read something. So the whole story of Eve, I was not expecting when I got your book. That, like, like I said, it wasn't at all what I was expecting it to be. and I and you made some great analogies and correlations, like how you said in the air in your life, you continue to repeat a cycle that ends your feeling, you ends you feeling less valuable. That is your forbidden fruit. like that yeah. is so true, right? Like, yeah, I think that's so, like so smart. Um, and so, can you talk about that a little bit more in terms of um, about that whole analogy? how because I think for people who, You know, people know who Adam and Eve is, of course, but just about how that forbidden fruit is kind of like someone's like secret or shame kind of thing
1: absolutely you know uh all of this happens because eve eats from this forbidden fruit and I think from our high horse it's so easy i said it you know Eve girl you had one job like we didn't ask <laughs> you to pay bills we didn't ask you to be vegan like you had it all set up and you failed at this one job and um you know the reality is that so many of us know better but don't do better we don't feel like we have the strength or the faith or the tenacity to actually do better and that shows up in areas like not making the right choices with our diet, or continuing in a toxic relationship, or spending beyond what we should, or eating French fries in the car <laughs> when you're supposed to be on a diet. This I idea, love that by the
0: way. Oh, I it's my that. favorite awesome. thing to do, and
1: it's it's <laughs> such Eve, it's such Eve behavior because I'm like you shouldn't <laughs> be doing this, and yet life has brought me here. This is what I've got to offer. But um, oh, you know, so I felt true. like if I could get us to have compassion for Eve, then maybe I could get us to open up and examine our own lives. Lives. because so many of us we uh, complain about not being fulfilled about wondering what our purpose is and how we can make a difference in our world or how we can change our world not recognizing that changing those cycles those toxic cycles that make us uh, have less belief in ourselves that make us feel more insecure that really keep us from reaching our goals when it is within our power to do we have a responsibility not just to the world but to ourselves to become the kind of person who has the discipline to take action when she knows she needs to make a difference. And I felt like if I could help us to see that through Eve, that maybe I could challenge us to do it in our own way.
0: No, I think it's absolutely true. And um, you make, like I said, you make a lot of great points. You even talk about um, the indecisive versus the wrong decision. And we choose to usually stay being in this purgatory of indecisiveness versus we'd rather be there than by the, instead of perhaps making that wrong decision. Yeah. Um, and I think that was, it's so true because everyone can relate to that, right? Yeah. Like when we, we know better, but we only think we know better, you know, and we don't make right, action. Right, right.
1: hmm No, I love that because, you know, indecisive is our excuse for not moving, you know, like, well, I don't know, and I don't know, and I don't know. And we stay there for years and years and years. And I get this all the time as a business owner, this indecisiveness, whether I should hire someone, whether or not we should invest in this idea, it comes up over and over and over again. And then there comes this point where you realize there's going to be risk either way. And so I have to make a calculated risk. I have to make an informed risk, but I have to make a decision like as a leader as someone who is navigating this movement, my inability to make a decision means that I am keeping the people connected me connected to me stagnant as well. And our vision can only progress to the point in which we're willing to make a decision. And so to release ourselves from the fear of failure means to say that even if this decision doesn't turn into immediate success, maybe it's years down the road, what I know for sure is that I'm going to bring the right heart posture and mentality that allows me to to learn regardless of the immediate outcome. And I think when we remove the barrier of failure, and I'm going to be defined by this forever, then we're more open to taking risks that will help us not just be successful on the outside, but to become a better, more informed, well-rounded leader for whatever other decisions we have to make in the future. Selling a little
0: or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you che Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, do we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're online courses or a physical product, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever or whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with their internet's best converting checkout. It's actually 36% better on average compared to any other leading commerce platform. And sell more with less efforts thanks to Shopify Magic, which is your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash hustle. That's all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash hustle now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash hustle. Have you guys tried factor yet? Factor is a ready to eat meal delivery that takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, the prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and so much more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. Factor now offers loads of snack options too, and like breakfast and smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep me going no matter what's on my schedule. And when things get super hectic, Factor is flexible. Change your order up every week with plans from four to eighteen meals per week, or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. So head to factormeals.com slash habits and hustle fifty and use code habits and hustle fifty to get fifty percent off. That's code habits and hustle fifty at factormeals.com slash Habits and Hustle, 50 to get 50% off. No, I agree. But people get very stuck in the fear, right? Like they're so fearful of doing something. It's like the analysis paralysis thing, right? Like you do nothing because you're scared like, how do you like when when you when you do your sermon? Is it called call the sermon really when you yes. do your speaking? Like, what's the other word for speech, uh, giving a message? We love messages, you know. Messages, because you've been do- you were doing these like sold out, yeah. like speeches all over the country. You know, it's so interesting. Like you just don't know what you don't know, right? Like, um, I didn't know about you until I knew about you, and now that I do, it's like wow. You know, I would like I said to you earlier, like. You do say some very poignant, really great things, like like to what we're just talking about now, and I and I agree with a lot of it. And so, when you say, when we talk about fear, and people getting stuck, what do you tell your people, your, the people who follow you? Like, how do they move through fear? What is some steps that they can do? Because a lot of it is about their self esteem, self worth, their yeah. past trauma. Is there some type of tactical thing that you tell people that they can do to? kind of rise above it and go through it.
1: You know, and this is nine times out of 10. So in many ways, this is a generalization. But most of the things that we are afraid of, is just a boogeyman until we decide to really confront it, right? Like when we were kids and we're afraid of the boogeyman, you turn the lights on and you see there's actually nothing there. But to really boil this down to like, what are we afraid of? I am afraid of it not working. Because what would that mean if it didn't work? What would that say to you about yourself? What would that communicate to you that you're human, that that you're flawed, that you needed more wisdom, that you needed more experience, because I have found that when we really confront that fear and we say to ourselves, regardless of where this lands, am I still going to be able to love myself? Will I still be able to believe in myself? And if not, why is my self-worth, why is my ability to receive myself connected to outcomes? Why can't this be a standalone place in which I dwell spiritually and emotionally? And then everything I do is an extension of that. And so I think separating what we do from who we are is so key in navigating fear, especially when it comes to, to taking chances. And I think once we've been able to healthily dissect those things, then we realize, okay, so I'm going to be human. I'm going to have some bumps and bruises. No one I, I admire made it through life without having experienced some level of failure. And I say this all the time to my community is that failure are the bricks that paved the road to success. And it is through our failures that we have an opportunity to learn how to do better, how to plan better, how to execute better. And eventually, we create this cycle of growth, not because we were always successful, but because we confronted our fears.
0: No, it's absolutely true. And then also the whole idea between thoughts and actions, right? Like your, the thoughts are kind of like the seeds. Your actions are, what is it? The fruits of the, the fruit, labor, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. How, how and, and I think that's your, your uh, absolutely, uh, your point was very, I like the way you said that. And because we become so stuck in those thoughts and it becomes like a very vicious cycle of bad thoughts, bad thoughts, you know, environment. And you talk about this in your yeah. book is so important, right? Like having an environment that you're thriving in, you yeah. know, let's let's talk about that. If you're in and if someone is in um, a bad environment, how mm-hmm. do they how do they move to another environment? What's the importance of environment, I guess, Man. in this whole process?
1: Environment is
0: everything. I, I mean,
1: studies show that the environment mm-hmm. that children are raised in are directly connected to their ability to be successful in school, to be successful adults, and it all starts with this environment. So if we, I live in Los Angeles, right, where it's mostly sunny most of the time. And because of that, I know what can be planted in my yard because of the environment. And so when we think in terms of environment, as it relates to our actions and our thoughts, we have to determine like, what is the environment that I live in? Do I constantly live in an environment of fear? Do I constantly live in an environment of anxiety? anxiety. We have to be real about that because those are the thoughts where the thoughts of being prosperous, the thoughts of starting a business have to survive living in that environment. And so when we realize, okay, this probably isn't the healthiest environment for me to be open to love again, if I'm just like all men or nothing. Okay. That environment is not, <laughs> not going to bring Prince Charming into our lives. And so shifting right. that environment is um, an undoing. It is a peeling back of the layers. It's getting into therapy. It's changing how how we communicate because we're trying to shift this season of our life into an environment that is conducive to what it is we're trying to build. So just like practically, you know, it can be like the podcast that we listen to, to bring another voice, someone who is exactly at the place where you want to be, bring another voice into your environment to cut through the noise of your fear and anxiety, to begin to listen to music that is a reflection of the heart posture that you want to have, to find messages that speak to where you want to be because it's- it's going to take an undoing to get there but it is possible and then i'll just say briefly another thing that i've had to do when i'm you know creating an environment that will never breed confidence in my body or in my uh, thoughts and ideas is that the moment that i have a thought that is counter where i know i should be headed I capture that thought immediately. So like, oh, girl, look at look at that muffin top you're giving today. You know, I capture that (laughs) thought and I bring gratitude to my body. But I think it is being really intentional about grabbing that thought, recognizing it as anti you and then determining, well, what is a thought that is pro me and how do I replace that thought? And it takes practice. It's like building a muscle. But once you do it, it becomes more natural and organic.
0: No, I agree. I I think everything's about practice. You can learn. I mean, every skill doesn't matter if you're going to the gym to get stronger, anything mental, physical, everything requires you to do it over and over again for it to be part of your new, the new, the new, the new you, the new DNA that you kind of are, or the neuroplasticity that you're creating in your, in your brain. Um, and you do talk about that, like, and again, like this resonated with me as well. Like the, the difference between knowing something and thinking something, yeah. we get so stuck in that, um, and the knowing and the doing, if you really know something, that's how you kind of do, and that's what breeds confidence Yeah. and, you know, and people cannot, and I think depending on the person and their, and their environment, it makes a really big difference on what that is. And you say something really funny. You actually were like, you know, I have all these people that they're the I don't knowers. They say all yes. these things, <laughs> you know. You know they, they say all these things, and they're like, then they're like, I don't know. <laughs> we all do, you know. Like it's true though, right?
1: As we pour our heart our, our heart out <laughs> on paper, like I'm so upset, I'm so stressed, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know, girl. You do know. You're stressed. You're <laughs> like, but is that uh, practice so of fair. like saying I don't know after everything makes us believe that we can't trust the things that we do know. Like there are plenty of things that we do don't know. Do not put me in an exam room. I will never be able to perform surgery. Like There are so many things I don't know. So I don't want to rob myself of what I do know, even if what I know changes with experience. And as I'm more exposed in this season, this is what I know. And I need to be able to act off of what I know.
0: Absolutely. But, and like, it's so, and that's how I I really resonated because it's like we, I do that all the time. Like we know if we're in a bad relationship, we know if we're eating badly, (laughs) we know about all these things. And yet then we get stuck. And I guess I keep on coming back to this idea of being the stuckness, like, um, to move from the, I think to the, I know what is that? What's that little area in between that people can get to, like, if you know that information
1: Okay, that's a great question. Um, Okay, I'll tell you this. Um, When you really want to know it, I think that when you think it, you're still open to opinions, right? It's why we start asking different people, like, what do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? Because we don't really want to know but i think when you come to a place where you want to know like i really want to know what i should do that it changes the way we begin to act and move so it's like even with the book coming out i'm like i really think i should push the book but i'm kind of shy and introverted and you know it's you're talking about your thoughts and stuff on paper and for any creative that can be a little challenging because you it's open to judgment and you know criticism and so i can be really shy with that but i also really wanted to know that I had given my best to this thing, that I had really showed up. And so I went from thinking, which was kind of fear based and, and unsure, into this space of like really wanting to know who I am in this space, who I can show up as. And so I think you've got to really want to know. And when you really want to know, it's so much easier to do because you wanted this that you're standing in.
0: Right. You want it that badly that yeah. that would happen. I'm shocked that you're shy to hear that you're shy because you do these like huge sermons to like thousands. What's the biggest sermon you've ever done or biggest uh, message that you've ever done?
1: Maybe like 30,000 people. Yeah.
0: 30,000 people. You're talking to 30,000 people on a stage. Yeah. And And you're shy. I am. But one
1: of the things that I do, though, is like I make sure that I'm like telling a story. Or like I I can't just like go into it cold, right? Like I have to warm them up. I have to let them know like I am one of you up here. I am stressed. I am sweating. And when I can get everyone on the same page, it helps me to move forward. But that goes back to thinking versus knowing. Like I would never get up there unless I knew I had something to say that was going to help them. And so when I am nervous and I start like shaking and sweating and getting all weird, I say to myself, But like, what are you gonna say in this moment? And I have so much. Faith in what I have to say and how it can touch people that I step into the knowing, and my confidence is connected to the knowing, and the flow and the communication is connected to the knowing. So I, I have to step into that, but it's its stress. It's stress.
0: I can only imagine that's a big audience. I, I was thinking like two, 3,000 people. I wasn't expecting uh, you to say 30,000. Yeah. <laughs> it's Are you crazy.
1: kidding? It's crazy. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I have a couple questions about that. Like, what when, when was the you were young when you... act Like really young when you started. What was the first time that you actually did that to such a big audience? How old were you? Um,
1: okay, so 24. 24 was my first time speaking in front of 18,000 people. And that was when... Um, <laughs> that was when I really went from thinking to knowing because that was the moment, you know, obviously we talked about my father and mother have being these figures within the faith community. My dad was on the cover of Time magazine. And yet when I got pregnant, it wasn't like Twitter and Instagram where someone was gonna like pick up and blog about the story. It was still very much so private. And so as the internet became more prevalent, people didn't know that I had a kid at an early age. And so when I was 24, that's when I went from like thinking I could stuff have a life after this, thinking that I would be okay, to knowing that I wasn't going to be defined. And so one of the things that I did is I got up on um, that platform that my dad was having, and I was supposed to introduce him. And I wanted to talk about the effectiveness of being raised in his household. And that's when I shared with the room that I got pregnant at 13. I had my child at 14. And yet, Watching and gleaning from what my father had spoken to so many people was what was pivotal and me finally taking a chance on my own faith. And um, that was the moment that everything really shifted for me.
0: Wow. And when you that so that was the pivotal moment when you went up there thinking that you're just introducing your dad and then yeah. you just did you know that you were gonna tell your story at that moment or you had no idea?
1: I, I kinda had I, I wondered in my mind, I wonder what would happen if I just stopped living underneath this cloud and just like ripped the band aid off of there because like there comes this moment, like and I'm praying that every person has this moment where they just get sick and tired of feeling like I'm never going to be more than what happened to me. And I was just at that point, I was in this very toxic relationship. I was just so tired of feeling like, is this all that there is to life? Because I think that there could be more. And I had it in my back pocket, just wondering what would happen if I just stopped living under that cloud. And I knew the moment that I stepped up there that I was just going to say it. And I was going to see what happened. And I'll just tell you real fast. I mean, there were like 60, 70-year-old women And that crowd who said, when you got up there, it freed me too. I had my baby at 13. And to think that someone had spent 60 or 50 years of their lives feeling ashamed of something that happened when they were 13 helped me to see that the power of women coming together to tell their stories isn't just about it freeing themselves. It's about who else will be given
0: permission in that moment. I told, yeah, I totally agree with that. And did you know at that moment, once you did that speech, that's the speech or the, the talk that you had like a gift? Because, you know, it obviously not everyone can go up to on a stage and have the power and ability to resonate and touch a lot of people, right? Like, you know, you just so happen to be very good at it, obviously. And was that the first time you knew that you were, that was a gift of yours? I didn't
1: think it was a gift then. I didn't think it was a gift then. It took me a long time to see it as a gift. Um, You know, I love writing. Writing is just like my heart on paper. It's my favorite thing to do. And I didn't think that that was a gift just because like everyone can write. I didn't realize writing in a way that you could impact people was really special. But the speaking, because I get so nervous, like I hold a handheld mic because my hand shakes. I just didn't think that something that made me so afraid could be a gift. But it has become increasingly evident by the impact of me sharing that it is a gift. And so I am accepting the gift in the unexpected um you know, in the unexpected, there are gifts.
0: Well, wow. And know uh, you do write all of your, all of your talks by yeah. yourself. You get help or you're just uh, by yourself writing all this stuff.
1: Nope. It's all by myself. It's all by myself.
0: Cause yeah. you take, you, cause you take, like I, I listened to, what was it called? Girl get up. That was a really, I like oh, that yeah. girl. I like girl get up. Cause you talk about the nose. You're like, you know, no is a, uh, what's it? You, you celebrate nose. You don't yeah. grieve nose. And I was like, yes, I totally agree with that. <laughs> you know, like, so like, cause you write from a, from a scripture, like you, you have like a, what's it called a Genesis or a scripture, and then you expand on it into your mm-hmm. own thing, right? Yeah. Like, how do you think of all of those things and all of those analogies and like, how, like what's the process?
1: Okay. So most of the time I think about something, an area where I need to be like touched an area where like, if I'm on the outside looking in, in my life, like, cause sometimes you got to ask yourself, like, what advice would you give yourself? We are so good at giving advice to other people, but it's like, what would you say to yourself about this area of your life? And I leave nothing off limits from, you know, maybe concerns I'm having about my children to trying to figure out how to stop breaking um, or to break a cycle of maybe having low self a or whatever, to increase integrity, whatever it is. And I think to myself, like, what is it that you would want to hear? And then I go back in scripture and I look at like instances where people had a similar issue or a similar concern. And I dissect like, what was God's response? How did God help them navigate this situation? And in the process of doing that, I see all of these different angles that I think apply to people today. And I try to share it in a way that doesn't feel like you're getting beat over the head with the Bible, but rather that there's wisdom. That applies to scripture that can apply to our everyday life. And so my goal is to always make the heart digestible in a way that makes people feel empowered to change their lives and to take ownership of their space in
0: the world. Oh, absolutely. How long does it take for you to do one of those um <sighs> beaches?
1: It depends. It depends. Um But a a a couple days, a couple days. If I if I have this space to do it and like two to three days, I feel really, really good about the content because it's like ingrained in my mind. I don't like speaking on short notice because you know, I get nervous and then I just get up there and it's mouth vomit, you know. But
0: um totally, totally. But
1: I like to prepare.
0: Wow. So it takes a couple of days. I mean, I, God bless you because I swear I've done, you know, I did this Ted talk and I had months to prepare months to prepare. And I was so nervous. It was only like 18, 17 minutes. And it felt like it was like five hours. I can't yeah. imagine It's like, basically you're doing like a Ted talk every single time, every day you're preparing yeah. this.
1: For sure. And you know, that's why you kind of have to be confident about what you're saying. And, you know, I'm grateful that Um, I get to connect with so many people because I get to glean from different life experiences and it gives me a good pulse on where different people are in their life. And what I find most of all, like whether you are a mom with six children like I am, or you're a single woman creating her own business, the core of what mm -hmm. we're facing, the fear, the doubt, the worry, the hope, (laughs) the faith, the belief are all kind of the same. They're just applied to different circumstances. And so I love that the people in Women Evolve, the community that we've created, they get to inspire the messages that I share with people.
0: Did you know Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day? I didn't. And according to the EPA, indoor air is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases, even 100 times more polluted. And the data shows that an air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally. Wow. So then what's the solution? I'm going to introduce you to an air purifier that captured the attention of established media outlets all over the world, like CNN, Money, ABC, and it's called Air Doctor. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens, such as pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold, and even bacteria and viruses, so your lungs don't have to. And Air Doctor purifiers also have a feature called WhisperJet that makes the fans 30% quieter than any other ordinary air purifier. And Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to AirDoctorPro.com and use the promo code HUSTLE. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. And exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So lock this special offer in by going to Air Airdoctor, dot com and use promo code HUSTLE now. No, you're totally right. I feel like we're all, everyone's at the end of the day, we're all the same. We all have the same thoughts and fears. And it doesn't matter where we grew up and what our even what our background or environment is, because women are women and we all have insecurities. We all have some shame on something. I think it would be it's 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 so disingenuous when people pretend that they have nothing. There's nothing yeah. that they're that they're, that they're perfect. I think that's completely like nonsense and garbage. Because if you've lived a life, there has to be something there that has happened or else you haven't lived. You know, and so, sure. so when you're in your audiences now, is it all women? Do you get any men? Or is it just all women? So Women Evolve is generally all women.
1: We have guys that sneak in just because, like, you know, <laughs> who doesn't love a little time yeah. with a girl? <laughs> I was going
0: to say, it's a great thing for a guy to go pick up a girl for a date or whatever, you know?
1: For sure, for sure. But then when our, our Sunday services or I speak at yeah. my father's church, you know, you're speaking to a diverse audience. And so that's actually a great mental exercise for me because some of the analogies and things that relate with the room, just the women, is totally different when speaking to men as well. and so being nimble enough and my thought and my experiences to make sure that I'm casting a large net has been actually one of the things that I enjoy the most so sometimes I mean I listen to the way the men in my family communicate to understand what's effective for them and what resonates with them but even like listening to different podcasts from different leaders help me to understand like what is it that is difficult for a man not that they don't have difficulties but you know sometimes when you're yeah. momming and building businesses and cooking dinner and then they come home after just working and they're tired it's like what, are, what is what is life like for you over there cuz we're struggling over absolutely. here absolutely
0: <laughs> and we have different ways of thinking and processing information right like yeah. it just is the what it is so when you talk to a man an audience that have men what do you talk about
1: oh goodness um their fears you know being married to my husband i think What I have known, even from them, him and my brothers, is like this idea of not being completely fulfilled in their lives and identity. Power, I think, is something that's really um, intriguing for men. And I think especially as we see women rise in power, that there could be an opportunity for them to feel like they don't know where they fit in the world. And I think to really go with that, to understand that the rise of the woman doesn't mean the decline of the man and to help us to understand that we are better together that you know your stability emotionally is just as important as the stability that you add financially and so to really bring value and hopefully honor to the role of manhood as we continue to see women literally revolutionize different industries i think it's important that we don't leave our counterparts and i don't necessarily even mean romantic counterparts but you know counterparts in business counterparts in our creativity behind as well
0: i think that is i, I, I think that is so true men are very much about like what their role is even being successful where they are mm-hmm. in that on that thing Um, But you just said it perfectly. Can we talk a little bit about the uncomfortable vulnerability? Because I think that's a good segue Mm -hmm. into that because being vulnerable, um, you talk about that in your book. And I like this that you do a lot in the book about working it out, right? It's really smart. The book is very conversational. Is that intentional, by the way, to make the book very conversational?
1: I think so. I didn't want to like talk at people. I wanted to talk to them. And so I wanted to make them a part of it.
0: And yeah, you you did a good job at that. Um, Because being vulnerable is very, that's like a key thing, right? Vulnerability. I mean, Mm -hmm. people don't like to be vulnerable, men or women, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, um, So what is uncomfortable vulnerability? Because you do say it in the book. How would you define that?
1: Uncomfortable vulnerability is daring to allow all of you to be seen. It's bringing all of yourself to a moment. And uh living in that place without apology or fear of rejection, because it is so authentic to who you are that, you know, it can't really be rejected. Um, vulnerability is something that people often say that I'm really good at. I think I'm good at being transparent, but transparency isn't the same as vulnerability. Vulnerability is where I am now. And in order for me to determine where I am now, I need space to kind of pinpoint who I am and where I am in any given moment. But what I have found, even with the book, I'll tell you that like There are two ways to do this thing. It's like you convince people over and over again that this book is going to change their life and they need it. And I believe that, I believe that as well. But the uncomfortable vulnerability for me is saying, I need your help because I have a message but I can't get it out there without your help and I really believe in it and I know that it is going to change people's lives but I'm not sure that I can do this on my own and I've been talking to my community really from a vulnerable standpoint of like the only way this wins is if people get behind it and if people don't get behind it then the tools that have maybe touched your life won't reach someone else's life and so I, I literally need you I can't do this by myself and um, you know that It's not like this boss move talk that I see so many other people doing. And yet it's so true for me because um, it's from the heart. And I'm willing to step out of my comfort zone. I tell this to them all the time. I'll step out of my comfort zone and I'll post about it and talk about it. And I just ask that when you see it, that you'll like high five it, you'll support it, you'll get behind it and share it when it feels appropriate for you. But needing people is vulnerability. And that's part of the reason why I think it makes it so hard is because we don't want people to leave or to not find value in what we offer.
0: I I that's so true the transparency and vulnerability there is a very fine line right because a lot of times people can think that they're being vulnerable but they're just it's not it's just because they they, because they're blunt or they tell you what they're what you know they they say something that's not the same so then how do you think because you have that shyness about you do you not really you what do you think of social media like and having to have to now go and promote this book when you're so it's obviously like uncomfortable for you which is endearing I think.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm growing, I'm doing it. I, I, I have to, OK, so the thinking versus knowing. Right. It's like I have to step into that knowing and to do it for a speaking one time of the week for 45 minutes is a lot easier than living in that knowing every day because it really does require this stretch of faith. And so, um, you know, as it relates to social media, I am trusting and believing that my heart will be translated in the words. I'm, I'm really intentional about the words that I use. I'll tell you what vulnerability in social media is actually very powerful. Even when someone like, you know, pops off when you I don't know if I can say pops off on this podcast. Yeah, you, can. You, say, can. Okay.
0: you can say whatever you want. So okay.
1: okay. Yeah, like so when someone says something negative to you on social media, it's so easy to like give this neck twisting dissertation. Like I don't know who you think you're talking to, but I am not the one. Right. But that's our defense mechanism showing up. What mm-hmm. I have found is to say that comment, sometimes I'll DM people and I'm like I deleted your comment because it struck a nerve of something that I'm still working on and it made me feel X, Y, and Z. And while I know you may have not meant it in this way, this is how I received it. And I would just appreciate you being more sensitive next time when engaging with me on my platform. And you would be surprised how that has neutralized. I mean, totally disarmed a person where they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't think that you would see it that way. I was just joking or I stand by what I said, but maybe I could have said it differently. And this idea of seeing a person behind a username, I think it creates vulnerability. And sometimes you have to be the one that tells someone, I'm like, I have, I have 1.7 million followers, but I'm a person. Like, I'm not this figure. A lot of times people leave me comments and they're like, she said, or uh, I don't know what she did or her and this. And I'm like, just next time say me or I, like, because you're talking to me. And um, I don't know that vulnerability has changed a lot of the ways that people engage with me on social media. I am not block people as much. I don't mind hosting block parties. I think they're amazing, but I don't have to block people as much when I am vulnerable about how they talk to me.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's so true because a lot of people they think that they're talking to like just like some wall, right? Right. And then when you when you actually respond, they're like, oh shit, you know, like yeah. And then like and all of a sudden they're like, uh oh, and all of a sudden they're not they're not so brave. Their their courage obviously is, like, dwindles, right? Because you're confronting yeah. them. People don't like confrontation.
1: Yeah, but you know, confrontation, its it it ha- it can be very beautiful, because there's nothing like them realizing like, this is not, I'm not a platform, I'm not a stage, I'm a person. And you're talking about my child, or you're talking about something that I said, or something that I went through, or my eyebrows, and who's yeah. not to their eyebrows, you know, be gentle with me.
0: Oh, absolutely. People are just, people could be very vicious, because they, they don't realize that you are a person. They think that you're just like, again, like just like a, some kind of like cartoon, not you personally. Thing in yeah. general, like a cartoon, sure. they can just like throw whatever because it doesn't matter. But you know, I think that when you do have that, comp- not like you said, like the confrontation, I think because it it humanizes somebody. And then we're, yeah. when you kind of show, by, by the way, we're both human, it kind of makes everything a little bit less, you know, hair, kind of like tense and vicious, I guess would and be the we word. Need
1: it. We need it. There's so much division. These days, oh my we really gosh. need it. I've got a book club and in the book club, we've got you know, white women and black women and brown women and yellow women. And we're all connected over this book that we're reading for the month. And I was looking one day and there was like a black woman who had Black Lives Matter and a white woman who had Blue Lives Matter. And yet they're still having this moment about needing to be more vulnerable in their relationships. And I thought if we could live first from our core, then maybe we could have more productive conversations about the things that are happening in our world. And um, so that's one of my, my greatest hopes as we continue to create community and heal from division is that we'll live from our core and connect and communicate from that place.
0: No, I think that's amazing. Uh, so then while we're in, well, so the last year that we've been kind of not having the ability to go and do things and events and are you now taking it online and doing these virtual sermons? How are you kind of speaking to your community? Besides, of course, doing a book and social media.
1: Yeah. So our things were very event driven because we like to create atmospheres that are like half party, half inspiration. And so with that shifting, I didn't have a, a lot of faith in virtual just because I feel like there's so much about like the music playing and people getting mm-hmm. dressed up. And I didn't know if we could do that at home, but we have done virtual events and people who never attended our in-person events have been coming to our virtual events and been like, that is so life-changing. And they're saying the same things that people say when they're in person. So there's definitely definitely... definitely a way to translate there. So we are doing virtual events, but we are also being more intentional about our social media, more than just a bulletin board. Like if this is the only piece of inspiration someone gets about her journey today, what is it that we want to say? How can we be more content focused than announcement focused? And so it's allowed us to be a lot more creative and disruptive in how we present our Mm platforms to people. And we're seeing that really resonate. Uh, We've really maximized our email list instead of once again, just sending out things about what we're doing but meeting people where they are like here's your mm-hmm. weekly inspiration to help you get through the week so it's it was a little stressful right because who could have planned for this I would have loved to plan before right. we took this pivot but right. it also helped me to understand that like maybe I was using an old model maybe I did what you're supposed to do when you have this community of people following you but what if I'm actually more effective by creating these virtual experiences that allow us to reach people internationally while I stay at home and I'm able to still show up for my family.
0: And was it like, are you having people from all over the like where from like do you have other people outside the country who come who come watch you now? And is it mostly yeah. US, Canada? So we
1: had 50 countries represented at our last virtual event. So um some of like my top five cities, like when I look at my top five cities on analytics with um Instagram, it's like New York, Los Angeles, Lagos, Nigeria, <laughs> London, like there are it's not even like just US cities in those top five cities. And so yeah, we're definitely seeing a lot of international growth, which is really exciting.
0: Wow. And then with women evolve, So you said you have a book club, but what else is it? It's the sermons? Because how, how are you? What else is on the platform?
1: So we have an SVOD channel. So uh, people are able to get bite-sized content on the go. We do interviews with thought leaders and people who are making changes in different industries. So Woman Evolved TV, it's an app that you download. We've got Woman Evolve the podcast, which is like a weekly hot talk, hot topics and advice podcast. I do a weekly message uh, or a monthly message based on a word of the month in which we kind of set our intentions. So for March, the word was uh, courage, for April it's invaluable and so each month we present a word and set our intention in that direction we do virtual events we have the book club we have a clothing store we're helping women evolve in every area of their life I hope
0: wow and you have six kids yeah six of them them do you you sleep or that's kind of like out the window it's
1: a little touch and go you know some nights are really good other nights not so much
0: Wow. That's a lot. I like that word of the month. That's really good until that makes the person focus on doing that. That's a really good idea.
1: I love it. I love it. And the word for January was messy, which was not a sexy word at all. Cause you know, for January yeah. people want like powerful momentum. But January is messy because you're trying to change, but then you're really realizing how hard it's going to be to change. And so things get a little messy. So yeah, we've done we're we're building. We're headed somewhere. And the people are really looking. This was new. Once again, something that the pandemic kind of birthed. And so every Monday of the month, that first Monday of the month, I present the word. And it was interesting. This month in March, I was a little late going on my Instagram live. And someone's like, when are we going to get our work for the month? She's like, I, my month has not even started until I figure <laughs> out what my intention is. So oh, I love
0: that. that. That is so nice that you're touching so many people like that. And just because you said the word messy, I want to kind of segue into the one more question I have for you is about being overwhelmed, right? Because I think now, especially with the whole pot, I mean, with the pandemic, and everything, that's yeah. something it's very true, being overwhelmed, under-resourced because you're home with your kids Mm -hmm. or you're kind of like everyone's now like shifting and maybe changing jobs or because the whole world has changed how they're you know their careers what they're doing where they're working where they're whatever they're doing where they're working out um and you talk about this in the book and i really like this because you give people ways and steps of kind of like when they are overwhelmed can we just Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that
1: Absolutely. So we have to know the difference between self-care and soul care. Self-care are the things that we do that don't necessarily bring rest to our soul. So working out is great self-care, but it doesn't always make you feel meditated on the inside. It doesn't always make you have peace on the inside. Maybe you feel momentum and empowered, getting your nails done, I would consider self-care. But soul care is taking a moment to ask yourself, how are you? How are you feeling? When was the last time you said your own name? When is the last time you held yourself close? Where are you feeling fragile? Where are you feeling vulnerable? And what led you to this point? because I feel like when I have been overwhelmed and when so many people who I get to connect with have been overwhelmed, that it comes down to like one thing got off track and now it feels like everything is off track. And so what steps do we need to make? What responsibilities do we need to put on pause? How do we need to delegate in order to get ourselves back to a place of center? Maybe we bit off more than we could do. Maybe we need to determine how to separate some things that are happening in our life, but to give yourself permission to check on your yourself to see when you got off track and then determine what do I need to do to feel supported, to show up in the world is so important because Um, you know, becoming depressed isn't something that you see coming. There's no warning (laughs) when you're depressed. There's no warning when you're about to have an anxiety attack. It happens because there is an accumulation. So as much time as we can spend saying, I need to just clean out the closet of my soul, clean out the closet of my mind. I think it's so much better because we're able to dissect when we're in a danger zone and then to prepare accordingly for that.
0: No, I think that's great. And then when you say under-resourced, you talk about being unconventional yeah. or other people's knowledge. Those are all great pieces that I want you just to talk about a little bit. And um, because I, I, like I said, these are all, everything I've been asking you are things that really resonated with me and I wanted to share with my audience. So... Yes,
1: so especially as a business leader, you know, under resource is something that I constantly run into a wall with, feeling like I don't have enough resource in order to do X, Y, and Z. But I think that that overwhelming feeling of not having enough keeps me from being creative and innovative to really maximize what I do have. That's why I feel like coming back to that place of center is so important because there's creativity and innovation connected to that. I talk about in the book, you know, that saying that they attribute to Bill Gates. if you want something done, ask the lazy person to do it because they're going to figure out the most efficient way to get it done. Or a busy you, person. A busy person to yeah. do it. Yes, yeah. yes. Don't ask going, a lazy
0: person. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're going to figure out the best way to get it done quickly. And so... Um, you know, I think living in that mindset of coming to a place of center and then allowing ourselves to determine, okay, like maybe there's a software program for this, or maybe there's someone else who can do this, or maybe I can delegate to this person. I feel like that creativity is connected to that center, but never allow being under resourced to be the reason why you don't move forward. Because there's always a way, there's always a tool, there's always a class that you can take to help you overcome the area where you feel under resourced. And so I felt like that was really important as a woman of Colors. so many of the women who I know who want to start businesses feel like you know the banks don't loan to us in the same way that they loan to other people or we don't have the education that a lot of people have and so how do I get from feeling like I'm coming from behind and a lot of that comes down to will being willing to do this research to figure out what opportunities what assets are available to me that can help me be equipped in an area where I may have had deficiency
0: That's really well said. And I like I said, that area really that resonated because I feel very under resourced right now. So that's why I'm like, I agree, you have to have think out of the box, you got to like, also talk to people get knowledge from people that you, you know, if you don't know something, go find somebody who does know something right or ask questions, because these are all ways you can kind of help yourself without you know, if you don't know something, don't let that be your stop. Don't let the start being the stop, you know, or it stop being in your start, whatever that is, <laughs> uh, whatever that saying is, whatever but it is, you got what I'm saying. Um, no, but this is great. I, I, like I said, the book, I really enjoyed it. It's called women evolve. Mm-hmm. And um, where do people find you? Where do people find more information about you? If they want to get the book, tell yeah, us okay. all your info.
1: All of my information, my telephone number is now Woman Evolve is available anywhere books <laughs> are sold um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Indies. Uh, we're making sure that it's a, a target, it's going to be a target, which is really exciting because it's hard to get into Target. So Woman Evolve is going to be everywhere. And then you can find me on all of the socials at Sarah J. Roberts. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited about that. And then get connected with the movement at Woman Evolve.
0: I think it's great. And uh, very well spoken. I really, like I said, you make great analogies where even if you're not somebody who is super religious, you can find something in this book that really can um, help you or you can like integrate it into your life and uh, improve whatever area. Like I said, you're super, super wise for a very young girl. So congratulations.
1: Thank you. That means a lot to me. Thank you for letting me be on your podcast. I love it.
2: Habits and hustle. Time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind. Don't stop. Keep it going. Habits and hustle from nothing the something. All out. Hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries, tune in. You can get to know them. Be inspired. This is your moment. Excuses, we ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle podcast, powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network.